Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast. I'd like to start by acknowledging that I am recording on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to Elders past, present and future. I also acknowledge and respect the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practice of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, and I extend that respect to any First Nations people we might have here with us today. Being on a board can be an incredibly valuable, interesting and exciting experience. Yet it can also be lonely, challenging and, let's face it, pretty hard. So here at Take On Board, I'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you navigate your way onto a board, onto your next board and to build your governance wisdom. Now, on with the show. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Gabrielle Dolan about storytelling for board members. First, let me tell you about Gabrielle. Gabrielle's previously been on the boards of IABC, which is the International Association of Business Communicators for Asia Pacific, and she was also on the Victorian chapter of the International Women's Forum. Today, she's an international keynote speaker and author on storytelling and real communication. Her career highlight was meeting Barack Obama, amazing, while delivering storytelling for the Obama Foundation. I might need to ask about that as well. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Gabrielle. Thanks, how are you? It's great to be here. And I should also do just a little shout out to Monica. Monica, I'm about to mangle your surname, so apologies. Monica Lankuk. Something like that. That sounds close enough. (laughs) Monica, thank you for making the suggestion of getting Gabrielle on the podcast. That was fantastic when we had a bit of a conversation in the Facebook group about this exact topic. So it's great to be able to explore it a little bit more here. So Gabrielle, before we talk about storytelling, which I can't wait to do, but before we do that, as always, I would love to dig a little bit deeper about you. Can you tell me a story about young Gabrielle that tells us a bit about how you got to where you are today? <laughs> well, I um, I grew up one of eight children. I was the sixth. So, uh, you know, a lot of stuff happening in the house. A lot of my friends say that I learned the skill of storytelling, trying to get my parents' attention with eight children. One story that I often share that I think highlights perhaps me and, and the support I had from my parents, it was when I um, was going for my very first job. So I, I actually failed. English in year 12. I've published seven books. So <laughs> I think my English teacher is the only one more surprised than me. But I didn't get into the course I had sort of planned to do. So I actually went for this job as a trainee computer operator. Now, this was in 1984. It's sort of when computers at first came out. And I I actually had done computer science 
it was like first introduced and I thought, you know, that sounds interesting. Not that I was an IT geek or anything or really into it, but I applied for this job as a trainee computer operator. And um, that was back in the day when you had to write the letter and I got an interview. And the following weekend, when jobs were just only advertised in the weekend paper, uh, the job was advertised again. And I remember saying to mum, I clearly didn't get the job. And she said, clearly no one else got the job either. So why don't you reapply and write a different letter based on what you learned from the interview? And my, initially it was like, oh, my God, that's a bit embarrassing. But I did. And I got the second interview. And pretty much the first question they asked me was, why did I apply again? And I just said, because I really want this job and I know I'll be able to do it. And I was offered the job before I left the interview. And so I, I share that because I think it sums up a couple of things about me. I did have parents that always just encouraged me to do stuff and also encouraged me if it doesn't work, like don't give up, just do something different, like try a different thing. So I, I had that growing up. And I guess that's also just give things a go, like I like sharing that story because, you know, my mum's the hero in the story, but I think it sort of defines how I was raised. You're right. That is a lovely story about your mother and about you, but what a, what a beautiful gift for her to give you and for that interview panel, actually. I'm wondering what they did differently afterwards, you know, after having interviewed you the first time and for whatever reason not got the best out of you. That's partly you, but it's also partly them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was like I was 17. I was yeah. like, you know, so and, and it wasn't even a panel then. I think it was just the guy who was, you know, yes. it was at the Australian Wool Testing Authority. I learned more about yeah. wool of my three years there than I ever needed to know. Oh, that is a fabulous story. And in fact, you know, if I think about it in board terms for our community, uh, applying for board roles, folks, don't give up. If you've applied once, apply again. Get in there and do it. In fact, one of my board roles, I'd applied for three times before I finally got it. And I think I remember only half jokingly saying to them in the final interview, this is it, folks, three strikes and you're out. Like I'm not, three goes, that's a pretty good crack at it. I'm not going to do it again. Yes, I, I have some <laughs> dignity still left. <laughs> Exactly. Anyway, I did finally get it on that go. And yeah, being uh, six of eight, having to get the the storytelling gene out there for, uh, although, hang on, out of interest, what does the eighth of eighth do? Are they a storyteller too? Uh, they run a pub. She's a chef that runs a pub. And, you know, there's a few stories there too. The, the point is that everyone's a storyteller. We're all storytellers, just some can do it better than others. Absolutely. Well, look, it probably answers my next question, but there might be a slightly different angle on it. How did you get into storytelling? I left the Australian Wool Testing Authority after about three years, and I actually joined National Australia Bank again as a trainee computer operator. So I stayed in IT. And I worked at NAB for 17 years. I was at NAB. And one of, the, one of the cool things of working such a large organization, you not only change jobs, but you can change careers. And I went from IT into learning and development roles, into leadership development roles, and then into some pretty significant change management and project management roles. So as I changed careers, I also, you know, worked myself up into senior leadership positions. So the last couple of years at NAB, I was leading people. So I was in a senior leadership role, but I was also rolling out significant change. And what I started to notice in those roles 
is that when I shared a story and it seemed to be like a personal story, it seemed to get the message across better. There seemed to be something in this, like people sort of understood it and even remembered it. And I also noticed you could like influence people's behavior with it and change their mind with a good story. So this was about 20 years ago. And what I started to notice is that the really, really good leaders were sharing stories and the brilliant presenters were sharing stories. And I read a book by Steve Denning called, what's it called? I should, it's Storytelling in Organisations. And he was um, a senior exec at the World Bank. And he had written a book about storytelling in organisations. And part of me thought, if a senior exec at the World Bank has written a book on this, there's something in this. I'm pretty sure there's something in this. So I sort of just had this idea that storytelling was a skill. And because of my background, A, in leadership, so really understanding firsthand the challenges of leadership, also my experience in change management, so understanding how you, you know, roll out a new strategy or values or culture, and also my literally hands-on experience designing and delivering leadership programs, there was part of me that thought, I think I could teach people how to tell storytelling. I left NAB because I had a five-year plan to be head of global head of learning for NAB. I had a five-year plan and I was working towards that. And I had done my MBA as part of that plan and I'd taken on a whole heap of experience. And it was pretty much five years to the day. And the global head of learning position became available through a restructure. And I applied for it thinking, I'm so going to get this. And and I didn't. I still remember the time the woman, you know, who I knew really well and really respected, she just said, I'm not going to offer you this job. And, you know, she talked about why and she said it's been a really hard decision because you'd be really good at it, but I'm not going to offer it to you. And she said, what do you think you're going to do? And I said, I think it's time to go. And I still remember her leaning over the desk and putting her hand on mine and said, I think it's time for you to go too. You've been talking about doing your own thing. You've been talking about this storytelling. You know, there was a lovely 17-year retrenchment package on the table. I just decided to leave. And I remember walking out of there, ringing my husband, who was, you know, we don't normally ring each other at work. And I told him I'm about, I just decided to leave. And, you know, it's one of those things, what's the worst thing can happen? My daughters were two and five. And I just thought, I'll give this a go for a couple of years. If it doesn't work out, I've been home with the kids and I'll just come back and get a corporate job. Like, like to me, a lot of people go, oh my God, it was such a risk. It was like, there was no risk at all in my eyes. I would just give this, a, give it a crack. How fantastic. So out of interest, how long ago was that? That was 18 years ago. When you think about storytelling in organizations, no one was talking about that 18 years ago. And in fact, I had a lot of people say to me, can I just check? You left your senior job at NAB to teach people storytelling. It's like, yep. It was pretty quiet for the three, four, five, six, seven years, spending a lot of time educating the market on why storytelling is an absolute critical leadership skill, communication skill, influencing skill, why it's critical. So, I mean, now I sort of can't keep up with demand. Everyone's just ringing going, we need storytelling training, which is good. Well, it's it's interesting, I think, because you're right, it is more talked about, I guess, in corporate world, really, about why it's important. 
I'm not sure it's talked about so much in boardrooms and why it's important. Yet you've talked about leadership, you've talked about change, you've talked about influence, all things that are key in the boardroom. So I'd be interested in your thoughts about what's your views on why it's important for the boardroom? Yeah, well, I think a couple of things. I mean, I don't know how much is spoken to the board, but like normally at the executive leadership team level, when they're you know they're in charge of, or well, how do we roll out the strategy? How do we communicate the values? How do we drive this digital change or whatever? And they're going, we need storytelling. So first of all, to actually even get on the board, you'd be want to be really good at storytelling. It's like a job interview for for want of a better word. So you need to be selling the value you can bring to that board through stories. So that it's storytelling is critical for anyone in that position to get on a board or get promoted or get a new job. But when you think of what a board does, a lot of the times they're influencing. They've got to influence each other. So how you can come in and a board member, you might be there for your marketing expertise, for example. So how can you influence the rest of the board members to take this serious? You might have a really strong focus around risk or culture or innovation. So how do you influence the rest of the board members for that? So that that storytelling then becomes a critical role to influence your board members. Like if you do need to influence the CEO or influence the executive leadership team or any other key stakeholders, If you're in a position where you need to communicate your message more effectively and influence, and I would suggest that's a big part of a board member's role, then storytelling should be something that you are saying, I need to get better at. Yeah. That connection also with the executive, the executive or the organisation also needs to know how to tell stories. So the board needs to recognise that as well, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And and I say get better at it. And, and look, I know I'm biased here because this is my job and I teach people, but this is a skill. Sharing stories effectively in a professional setting is a skill. Where I've seen storytelling go wrong is when people do it and maybe they go, oh, you need to start telling stories without any training and they just make all the classic mistakes or they share stories that are completely inappropriate or they go way too long or they miss the mark. It's an absolute skill. And if it wasn't a skill, everyone would be doing it and doing it well. And we know that's not the case. So, I mean, part of what I love about my job is I feel like I give people permission. And when I say permission, it was like a lot of senior execs and board members too go, it never even occurred to me to share personal stories. So I feel like I give them the permission, but then give them the capability and the confidence to actually do it well. Okay. So of course, the next thing is we know why it's important then, and people need to know how to do it. You know, in the next 10 minutes, <laughs> what, what, are the, what are some key tips for board members in thinking about this? Yeah, look, I'll, I'll look, I'll give you some key tips. I mean, clearly, you know, first tip, get me in to help you. <laughs> That's the first tip. The first thing is you need to be very clear on your message. So one of the most common mistakes people make and boards make and board and probably executive leadership team make this as well is they go, we need to come up with our organisational story or our brand story or our strategy story. So first of all, it's not one story. When I see people say, this is our organizational story, I just look at it and I go, it's not even a story. Like it's your strategy on a page. And they go, oh yeah, it's our strategy on a page. I go, well, don't call it a story because it's not a story. It's your strategy on a page. And we can bring that to life with stories. So the first thing is you've got to be really clear on your single 
message, your one single message. So even as an individual, if you want to talk about innovation is your subject or your what you were trying to influence people on, it'd be, well, what do you mean by innovation? And when I work with, you know, senior leaders and we go through this process, so they, for example, they might be communicating their values and one of their values might be integrity. And I, I will pull one of them at random and it doesn't matter who I pull at random, 98% this is the same thing. I go, just in your own words, tell me what integrity means to you. And they'll go, oh, it means, um, you know, telling the truth. Like, what else does it mean? It means, and they'll sit there and go, um, gee, I don't know. You've put me on the spot here. I haven't really thought about it this much before. These will be the senior execs that have not thought about the company values for more than 20 seconds about what it means to them personally. So, that's part of the process I work through with teams, helping them be really clear on their message. And then once you're clear on the message, my point of differentiation in the market is focus on the personal stories. So all the work stories are really valid. Okay, integrity, give us an example of where you've done that at work. That's the default of 95% of the people, but your most powerful stories will be your personal stories. For example, if, if I want to push my team into let's just have a go and if it doesn't work, let's try something different, I'm going to share the story about my mum. And yes, I will have work stories to back that up, like when we did this three years ago and last year, but the most powerful story, the one everyone will connect with and will remember is the story about my mum. Then there's some really basic tips around storytelling, like keep them succinct less than two minutes. doesn't matter how exciting or intriguing you think your story is in a professional setting. People will be thinking after a couple of minutes, get to the point. And if anyone has ever said to you, get to the point, they've been thinking it a hell of a lot longer before they've said it. There's a framework I take people through to get them that succinct. A couple of other absolutely critical is the story has to be true. How you'd be surprised, amazed. I am still amazed. How a conversations can go on in a long time when I'm working with senior executives around do their personal stories need to be true. It astounds me and where some people are going, but as long as it's believable and gets the point across, does it really matter? Is this right after the conversation about integrity? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh yeah, God. and I, like I point out the irony of that. The reason they're thinking made-up stories is because they probably have, and the reason they've made up stories in the past is because they don't think their personal stories are relevant or important. Like they might be thinking, oh, I've got that story about my mum, but who would care about that? Everyone cares about that because that's that's what we connect with. And, you know, every time you retell a personal story, you don't just retell it, you relive it, and people sense that. So they're the main things. And I guess there's some really minor little technical tips. Don't start your story with let me tell you a story and don't end it with the moral of the story is. They're just like, oh, please. There's a whole really good tips and techniques and frameworks I take people to, to get clarity on your story, how you find these stories, and then how you share them with great effect. Oh, there is so much in there that already rings true, but I'm particularly thinking about the keeping it brief one, possibly partly because I'm a workshop facilitator and sometimes, you know, you're getting people to share and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is taking a bit longer than I had expected. And even, you know, we were talking about getting on boards before as part of one of the programs that I run, we do practice interviews 
and you can see where people get a bit lost in their stories and it does go on and you're just like, I've lost the point here and what the point of the story is and where we are in it. Yeah, I th- and I think in interviews people get nervous too, so they just keep talking, talking, talking. One of the books I've written is Storytelling for Job Interviews. It's just like it's actually a really, really tiny book. But the thing is just keep them short and then if people want to ask you more information, they'll ask you more information. But, yeah, I think I think one of the problems with job interviews is people get really nervous and then they just start rambling on. And they don't practice your stories. That's the other thing. You've got to practice your stories. I would say as a board member, okay, what are the things you want to be known for? And is it integrity? Is it risk-taking? Is it strategic? Have stories around that, have personal ones and work ones, and practice them. Practice makes them better. Totally. Could not agree more. And it's exactly why we do practice interviews. All of the big interviews that I've gone for, I've always done a practice first. In fact, some I've gone straight from the practice interview into the real one, just when you've given it a run. So absolutely practicing. Well, practice makes better. I don't think we should ever try for perfect on anything, but practice makes better. And again, I'll have some people go, I won't practice it because then it won't Mm. sound authentic. And it was like, it will, it'll just be better. And you won't yes. be rambling, rambling. Oh, oh, all right. There are some magic tips in there already. And unbelievably, we are getting towards time. But before we finish up, I said right at the outset that in your intro, you talked about meeting Barack Obama. And I have to return to it. In as much detail as you're able to share, tell us the story. It was three years ago. I actually got an email from the Obama Foundation saying they're running a leadership program across Asia Pacific and they they want to include storytelling in it. And I got that email and I just thought, someone is pulling my leg here. It's just so I respond and then I set up a meeting and they said, Oh, you know, we looked at your website and it was just like you are the one we want. It was in Malaysia. It was at the end of 2019 and it was, uh, it was my, it was going to be my daughter, Alex's 19th birthday. And I have a bit of a rule that I don't travel on the kid's birthday, but because she had finished uni, she came with me. It was for a week and I, I ran five workshops throughout. Barack Obama was speaking on the last day and we were told we are never going to meet him. You're never going to meet him. He is literally flying in and flying out. And so he flew in and we all went and watched him talk. And we were actually told he had left. He'd already left. But I was sitting speaking to one of the participants about storytelling and and then all the participants got called in to take the official photo. So they all had to go in the room. And I said, that's all right. I'll just wait for you when you come out. And then... Barack Obama walked past, is is completely surrounded by security guards. He walked into the room to get the official photo. And me and a few other speakers and my daughter were sitting there and it's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. The security guards come up to you and go, just to remind you, you are not allowed to approach him. You are not allowed to ask for photos. And, and, you know, they're standing there with their hands on their gun. It was like, okay, okay, relax. One of the other speakers said, when he comes out, let's draw him to us with our energy. Normally I'd go, yeah, whatever, but I'm going, yes, yes, let's. And he came out, I don't know if we were drawing with our energy or we just look like, you know, silly, excited schoolgirls. And anyway, he broke ranks. He came over. 
he spent a few minutes talking to each of us about what we did and what we were speaking on. And he clearly must know the rule of you can't ask for a photo. And so he said, let's get a photo with the speakers. So I pushed my daughter. So there's a photo that's up in my office and it's um, when I say under his armpit, it's because he's very tall and we're very short and then me next to him and a couple of other speakers. So that's, uh, as they say in the classic, that photo went straight to the pool room. Oh my God. I love that. And I love, I actually love the, let's use our energy to draw him towards us. Yeah. Yeah. I did too. And it was just like, we were going energy and we were probably just smiling, just smiling. And like, you know, I like him. I admire him. I, I reckon it took me about half an hour for my heart to calm down. It was, it was just amazing. And, and when he walked away, it was like, you cannot fake that authenticity. So I know there's some leaders that would get a whole lot of training in that because that's their job. You cannot fake that because I have met other prime ministers and stuff and you walk away going that felt sleazy type thing. Yeah. So um, yeah, he's, he's one of the best. He's a, and he's a great storyteller and he's a great presenter. Yeah. You know, I think it's probably his early days as a community organiser going out and meeting people and needing to connect quickly with people through authenticity. I suspect that has put him in good stead. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that story. What are the key things you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? Look, I would say as humans, you already tell stories, but there is an absolute skill in sharing it well in business. And and when I run my workshops, I reckon the biggest feedback I get is people go, this is a bit harder than I thought. And, And it is. I would say get better at it, invest in it. Like we invest in public speaking, like we do that, invest in storytelling. Now, clearly, I'm the best there is. (laughs) Find someone that can teach you storytelling. There's a lot of books out about it at the moment. There's a lot of people running courses on storytelling. If you want your people to get better at this, set them up for success by teaching them the skills and do not set them up for failure by just telling them that we need to start sharing stories because that is irresponsible, completely irresponsible. Yep, fantastic. I mean, you've already mentioned one resource. I'm about to ask you if there's a resource that you would like to share with the Take On Board community. You already mentioned Steve Denning's book, so we'll find a link to that and pop it in the show notes. Yeah. I must admit, it's a good book I read. It's 20 years old and it is a bit thick. I would, I'd go with one of mine. <laughs> Seriously, I, I feel like I'm jokingly half-plugging, but um, on my website, so gabrieldolan.com, I do have a seven-day free storytelling starter kit. It does what it says. It's literally, if you're thinking, how do I get started on that? It just contains little short videos and it'll just, it'll just be the starter kit. I am running my only public workshop for the year is coming up on the 14th of December and that's virtual. I only do two a year, so that's, there won't be another one for quite a while. And of course, if, you know, if someone's sitting there and go, yeah, we need to get our people and teams involved in that, 99% of the work I do is in-house training. Yeah, great. Oh, fantastic. All right, we'll make sure we put all of those contact details in the show notes and uh, make sure we put this episode to air well before the 14th of December for people as well. Fantastic. Oh, Gabrielle, thank you so much for sharing some of your wisdom and insights and stories about storytelling for board members and why it's so important and some of the tips on how you do it. Uh, I know that the Take On Board community will really find this valuable. So thank you for being with us here today. Thank you. It's been a whole lot of fun. 
So that's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and being part of the Take On Board community. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So I invite you to join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, an active group that helps, supports and cheer squads each other. Just search Take On Board in Facebook to find us. I'd really love it if you could also do some of the other podcast things. Share with someone you know who might get some value from our discussions. Subscribe if you haven't already. And, well, I also really love it when people rate and review. Thanks again for being part of the Take On Board community. Now go and put these tips, tricks and advice into action so you can be your best in the boardroom.